Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Teaching Kindness, the Bullies Be Gone podcast, with yours truly, Nate Webb, the founder of Bullies Be Gone. Here on BBG, I go into all things kindness, bringing in guests and experts from all wakes of life. And we are all here for one reason and one reason only, to help you and your kids get over bullies, get off social media, and love your lives. So come on in and learn how to live in a world where kindness is king. I'm your host, Nate Webb. Let's get to it. What's up, everybody, and welcome back. It is great to be at BBG. Guys, the teen years are tough. Kids are tough. Being a parent is tough. It's all tough. Our kids make decisions that infuriate and disappoint us. We still want to love them amidst their struggles, but sometimes it can be hard not to act out of anger or fear. My guest today, Heather Frazier, is a health coach who helps parents and teens in their relationships. One of her big things is helping us love our kids even when we don't love the choices that they make. Parents, you definitely need to listen to this one. But first, gotta pay the bills. All right, everybody, we are back. Guys, I'm so excited for our guest today, Heather Frazier. She's a wife, mother of four, who found coaching as she recognized the undesirable relationship she was creating with her kids. She loves teens and wants to help other parents learn the same unique parenting skill um, set that raising teens requires. She hosts the podcast Pivoting Parenting. Oh, no, Pivot Parenting. There we go. And is the creator of Four Months for a Better Forever. Um, coaching intensive program and loves to help parents let go of the struggle and enjoy those last few years before their teens move out. So welcome, welcome Heather to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to come and chat with you. Absolutely. So first off, how the heck are you? Where are you coming at us from? I live in Orem, Utah, and I've got my four kids here. My oldest is at the U. She turns 20 this week, which is crazy. Oh, man. I know, but um, I've lived all over. I grew up in southeastern Idaho, and we've lived in Missouri, Pennsylvania, Florida, Michigan. Holy smokes. Kind of all over the place. That's, yeah, just that's a, a, a couple of places. Yeah. I'm in Twilly, Utah. So, you know, just down the road a little bit. Love you know. it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's awesome. I have. I've been in Oklahoma and Alabama, but that's just for summer sales. So it's just like three months at a time. It's all good. Florida was only six months, three months gotcha. in Tampa and three months in Orlando. So gotcha. So does that mean that. you're a temp Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan? You know, sports are more my husband's thing. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Well, I'm so thankful to have you here. So you're a parent and a parent coach, a huge advocate for teens. You've got a big soft spot in your heart for them teens. How'd you end up in the, your, in this space? What's your story? Yeah, I do love teenagers. I think they're so fun and spunky and they bring fresh perspective to the world. And I think that they're really integral and important part of a healthy society. And I think that as parents, we can help them or we can give them more obstacles to overcome. And for a while I was an obstacle for my kids and um, I didn't like what I could see that I was doing, but almost felt involuntary. Like I was on this train and I could see that it was about to crash and burn. And every day I would just ride the same train and I didn't like it, but I didn't know how to stop it until a friend said, you've got to listen to this podcast. And it happened to be Jody Moore's better than happy. 
And I kind of was obsessed after that. And I listened, I slammed so many podcasts and then I was using that, what I was learning in my life as I learned it. And it was so powerful. And I just would see how it had made such an impact in my life. And then I could see my relationship with my kids changing and they would have their friends over and their friends would sit and bag on their parents. And I would think, Oh yeah, I used to do that. (laughs) Somebody needs to tell these moms and dads like, Hey, there's a better way. And you're on the crazy train and I can help you. Um, and so that's what I decided to do, man. That's awesome. That could be like a t-shirt. That'd be like you know, Heather <laughs> Frazier getting you off the tr- the crazy train. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, our dog's name is Ozzy Posborn, Prince oh of Darkness. Oh my gosh. It's a sign. <laughs> it Where totally are my t-shirt is. people? Make a t-shirt. t-shirt people. All right. Yes. And my teenager named him. So there you go. There you go. My goodness. I think, you know, you know, I think we all want good relationships with our kids. You know, it can be so hard though. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm a high school counselor. My kids are two and four months old, but I'm a high school counselor. So I Mm -hmm. actually have like 350 teenagers, if you think about it. But I don't know, some kids you love to death and some kids are going to be the death of you. And, you know, you're (laughs) like, just mm, what are some practical things that parents can do to get off the crazy train (laughs) to help improve their relationship with their kids? Yeah. So I'm less of a to-do type person because we can go through the motions and we've all tried this and like, it doesn't always stick. No. So I'm more of a to think kind of person. And the biggest thing that I've seen why we get so upset and um, create emotions that we don't want to have is that we take everything personally. Oh my gosh. We make it mean all about us. So like even with your high school students, like, oh, you drive me crazy because I can't get you to behave how I want you to behave. Right. Right. Instead of letting it just be about them. Like, huh, that's interesting that they're totally spousing out. I wonder what's going on with them. Right. So and then when we can align our thoughts and give them space to be them without it meaning anything detrimental about us then that's a much more helpful position to take. And from that place, the actions come naturally. I I love that. It's all, and it is all about the way, like the way you perceive their actions. It's not about you guys. It's not about us. It's about them. I think a yeah. lot of, a lot of parents, uh, I, so I, I talk to so many kids that are like, uh, I want to tell my mom X, Y, and Z, whether it be a mistake or something that happened. And they're like, oh, but I know she will just flip out. And I just, I, I just can't right now with this. And I'm like, you know, kids notice like how their parents respond to things kind of like they, they, they test the waters. So like a kid will be like, Hey, so, uh, Blaine. Yeah. That's a guy I totally know. Uh, <laughs> Blaine cheated on his test. That's, that's a little crazy, huh? And then like mom and dad would be like, Oh my goodness. If one of you cheated, I, I, Oh my gosh. And just starts going off and like, well, I know what I'm not talking to mom about if I make mistakes. Uh- <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I've been on both sides of that, right? Like I've had my kids tell me things and I totally flip out and I've had them tell me things. and I'm like, Oh, tell me more. And because I found coaching as they were growing up, right? And I'm not perfect. And sometimes I'll still have that sort of freak out 
um, gut response, but I'm better at catching myself and being like, I'm sorry, that was uncalled for. Right. I'm ready now. Give it to me. <laughs> I think that that right there, like when you said you just say, when you say, I'm sorry, that is something huge that could improve so many relationships. Just admitting you're human. Yeah. We're human, guys. We're parents and we're human. We don't know what the crap we're doing, and that's okay. Yeah, but a lot of times because we don't have as parents maybe the self-esteem or confidence, mm. we we show up in a way that's false, that we know everything and that we have to know everything in order to be respected or obeyed, which is totally the contrary because our kids want and need an example of how to mess up well. Oh my gosh. Right? Like just being able to say, hey, I'm sorry, I kind of did that really stupid. Like, can we do a do-over? <laughs> then it shows them like, a, it's okay to make mistakes. Like I'm not expected to be perfect. And B, this is how I recover from a mistake. And they're on the, the receiving side of that. So they're like, that felt really good when somebody, especially in a position of power or authority says, I messed up. So what should we do about it? Oh man, that's huge. That is so huge. <laughs> so many kids so many kids, they're like, you know, I, they don't want to open up to their parents or people in general, because for some reason they think that showing their emotions is weakness. And Which is perpetuated in media all over the place, oh, especially oh. for boys, oh right? My gosh. Like you can't show your emotions, which creates so many more problems. So many more problems. I mean, and because of that, kids are bottling things up because of that kids are constantly comparing their imperfect natural selves to unnatural, still imperfect, um, but seemingly perfect airbrushed photos on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. And it's just their self-esteem is just like, and they don't feel like they can talk about it versus if we weren't, I don't know, sometimes I feel like parents, we feel like we need to be Superman. We need to be superhumans for our kids. But I argue that we need to be human. We need to be their humans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and it is a superhuman trait to be able to say, I did that wrong, or I could have done that better, or ask for advice. Like that could also be termed as superhuman if you want to get really crazy. It's true. But another thing to keep in mind is that teenagers psychologically, their amygdala is on high development, which is our emotional response. So fight, flight, or freeze. So they're looking for a fight. They're going to assume that their parents will have like the worst reaction ever. Yes. And then a lot of times we come through with that. Yeah. We don't disappoint. <laughs> yes, yes. We, <laughs> yep. There's a reason why that reaction is in their thought process of, oh my gosh, they're probably just going to scream and yell. Probably because we have begrudgingly done that in the past. Yeah. Or that's what happened to their friend or, right. right? And that's what, you know, the Disney channel perpetuates or whom have, like <sighs> the media out there perpetuates adults as being not always accurate. Yes, I completely agree. And what I mean, what media perpetuates is, I mean, that right now kids are facing a big mental health crisis because they don't know how to make mistakes well, and then they bottle it all up now. Yeah. And a lot of parents, they, I don't know, they're, they're scared their kids are going to make mistakes because they're kids. 
and they're going to. Um, and so how can we continue to love and be there and support our kids, even when we don't love the decisions that they're making? Well, I think the first trick is to see that they're two separate things, right? Oof. Like we all have agency and we use that and that's separate from who we are and even like who we want to become. Dang. I, where are my t-shirt people? <laughs> okay. So we <laughs> separate it. Your kids are not their decisions. They're still your kids. They're not their decisions. They're not their moods. They're not any of that business. Honestly, so there's four parts to a relationship. And I think this kind of leads into this nicely. There's, and it goes just right into a direct interaction. So relationship or conversation, there's um, some key elements. So you have what you think, what you say, what is heard uh -oh. and how that's interpreted. And those are two very different things 99% of the time because yeah, or four, like depending on what's going on. But um, but just being able to separate that out, like this is what I'm saying, and and having the cognitive awareness that your kid could be interpreting that differently or misunderstanding, all of that kind of stuff. Dang, that is your kids are not their decisions. That is huge. That is so huge. Watch, I'm getting a scam call. They're the worst things ever. Anyway, <laughs> to those viewers, to those listeners, my phone was buzzing. It was a scam call. Anyway, yeah, because um, I, I know a lot of kids, they're like, you know, I just, I just can't talk to my mom about it. And then I hear parents, and they're just like, I have such a hard time connecting with them, and they're doing all these things and this and that. And I'm like, but they're, they're still them. So I love what you said there, that – they are not their decision. Separate the two. You can still, and so, and that, so like, I don't know what, what, what can we do to, to repair the damage that has been done? If we have been associating our kids with their actions and like all that other stuff. Yeah, that's a really great, great question because inevitably we all make mistakes or like damage our children, so to speak. Right. And I think that we're actually supposed to, because if not, then God would have made us like you hit, you give birth to your first child and a magic wand is waved and you're perfect. <laughs> right. So I think giving yourself a little bit of grace that you're going to mess up. And then give that grace also to your child that they're going to get messed up. And that's part of the deal. Oh my gosh. This is part of the human experience. And so now what, how do you want to mentor them and help them? And again, I think starting with yourself is the best way to do that. So you begin with yourself. Like I've messed up, I've fall, fallen short in these areas, or I've totally sabotaged these other areas. And for me, in some ways, in some specific instances, I've verbalized that to my kid, right? Like, hey, I'm trying to improve with this, this, and this. And you might see me struggling in that, kind of like a toddler starting to walk, right? Like, I'm going right. to mess this up, but I want you to see that this is me trying. And it's going to be kind of a hot mess. So bear with me, right? <laughs> yes. There's going to there's gonna be some hot mess. <laughs> yes. 
And sometimes I don't verbalize that. And I just watch myself and kind of like the train analogy. Again, I watch myself and I'm on the train and it's headed toward the disaster yet again. And at first I would just watch myself crash and burn because I couldn't do anything about it. And then I gained enough awareness. I'm like, okay, this is the part where I think this, and I totally come unglued and I become, you know, emotionally unavailable to them because I'm angry or whatever. And I don't want to do that. And so I'm going to do this instead. So you kind Mm -hmm. of reset your track as soon as you can gain enough traction that you can see like, okay, this is what I'm thinking. And it's just awareness. Yeah. Right. And it's a process and it's not totally linear. So some days you're going to be better at it than others, but you can't really fail unless you give up. And so you just keep riding the train and you get better and better at directing it. And your kids catch on to that. And if they want, they can sense more safety or more, um, Like they can sense that change in you, right? Teenagers are really good at reading people. Yes. And so they can read that you're shifting, even if though they can't probably articulate it and they'll kind of respond to that. I had an interesting conversation. So my oldest, again, she's 19 and she was kind of the one that sent me on this path because at 13, she had bottomed out and I was like tanking with her. And Um, I was talking about marriage because I've, I love relationships. I do parents and teens, but a lot of this overlaps. And so I do a lot of marriage coaching as well. Mm -hmm. Um, because if you are failing in one relationship, chances are that you're going to also have tools. I'm going to teach you tools that are useful in all your relationships. Right. And I was telling her very generally that I had a client and I only coached them and their whole marriage shifted. She's like, yeah, right. It takes two people. And I said, no, no, it just takes one. And she's like, no. And I said, really look at me and you. And she just kind of sat there in silence. I'm like, I'm the only one that changed. And she's like, okay. (laughs) And usually she likes to banter back and forth, but she had nothing. (laughs) There you go. Okay. You're right. (laughs) Yep. So yeah. So she could sense that shift in me and she responded to that in kind, even though she So like it was only subconscious. She did not even consciously know that she was responding to the changes I was making. Man, that is, that is so true. They, 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 they notice they're aware and whether or not it's subconscious or conscious, it's going to reflect. Um, I loved how you said that when, when we get to that, I don't know, that kind of dark place of fear as a parent, um, we become emotionally unavailable. What do you think are some obstacles that stand in the way for some parents to be emotionally available for their kids. Yeah. It's because they're making about them. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Yet again, it presents (laughs) itself. That really is like the big, ugly mark that if I could help everybody see and look at, um, because when we make what our child is doing, mean something about us, then whether good or bad, right? This is a double-edged sword. We can say, oh, my child got into this Ivy League school. I'm an amazing parent. Look at me. I'm an Ivy League mama. Like, <laughs> Right, right. And that's great if your kid's accomplishing things. 
But unless you bought that for them, it actually wasn't you. <laughs> dun, dun, <laughs> <Right>? dun. <laughs> yep. So, so when we make everything mean something about us, which again, humans are naturally egocentric and we oh have gosh. to really consciously overcome this. Yes. But um, yeah, when we, when they're failing or, or we perceive that they're failing, I actually don't even know if that's actually possible, but if we perceive that they're failing or having a shortcoming and we mean that make it mean that we have failed as a parent mm. Generally, what kicks in is shame and um, a sense of loss and a lot of different things, which usually those emotions are debilitating. Oh my gosh, yes. They, they're kind of, especially specifically like shame, um, it's, it's a paralytic. It keeps you stuck and trapped right where you're at. Yeah. And so then you become emotionally unavailable. Boom. Because you're so wrapped up in your own head. Yeah. That is, oh my goodness. That would be so hard. And it is so hard. I mean, I've been there where like everything is about me. And oh, like, so for example, with with, with the kids that I with, that I help at the high school, some kids that aren't on track to graduate um, because they're choosing not to go to class and stuff. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Why, why me, me, I, 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 oh my gosh, it's not about me. And, and then what happens? And then what happens? Like, is, do you avoid those students? Uh, no. You don't look at their <laughs> files. You don't, what, what happens? I'm curious. So what happens is I, I, I get their hiney ends in my office and we have a long talk and I grow a few gray hairs over the year and, and they graduate <laughs> by the tail. But I get them there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And, and, and I think, I mean, that's kind of how parenting is guys. You, you're never going to give up on your kids and your kids they're going to make mistakes and that doesn't make you a bad parent. And when they do good things, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily mean you're a good parent either. You're going to let them live and love them anyway. That's, yeah. that's, that, that is, that is huge. That is. Yeah. Huge. I like to set success because we like to, as humans, our brain likes to offer us success, mm -hmm. right? And which is fine. I don't think that that's either good or bad, but I think how we define success can be good or bad. Um, and so with my parents that I coach, we define success in realms that are only within their control. So did I apologize when I messed up? Did I show up in a way that I liked? right? When they came home high or when they flunked a test or bombed the ACT, like, did I like my response? Mm -hmm. um, did I like my response when they won the championship game or got, got kicked off the basketball team? Those, those are the ways that we can measure success and not have as much anxiety because it's within our control. Oh, this has been so thought-provoking for me. And I'm not even a parent of teens, guys. I have a two-year-old <laughs> and a four-month-old. Um, this is awesome. Like, just the simple act of not making it about you. Holy crap. This has been it so seems simple, but it's in application. It's it simple in theory, but it's it is. 
it's hairy in application because it it's everywhere. It's very pervasive. It's very everywhere. It's very pervasive. And it, it, here's the thing. Everybody, everybody has insecurities and everybody is afraid to let those show. Um, but what I've been noticing is more and more, especially the last couple of years, those have been amplified um, through things like social media and things like that, because I mean, everybody's on it even more so because of the whole being virtual for the year of 2020 and everything. Um, I mean, social media is booming and it's become quite the subject of addiction for kids. Um, I mean, I talk a lot about delaying kid, um, delaying giving kids smartphones and different things like that. But I also think that we as parents can be just as bad at being not available to our kids and letting our insecurities show through our screen use and our social media and letting that rule our lives like we want to look and present our family as these awesome trophies because it's about us um, when it's not. Um, and I, I'm just curious, in your experience as a coach and a parent, how has social media impacted you? That's an interesting question. Um, so three of my four kids have smartphones, but only two of them, 17 and almost 20 have social media and you know studies have shown that it's more detrimental to girls specifically instagram yes yes um my son he doesn't even have instagram he's deleted snapchat a couple times off his phone because he thinks it's annoying but i think more than social media i think it's how we approach it and again how we want to measure success and that totally depends from family to family and the culture and your values yes and it's all good um but just being comfortable with the things that you have in place and the parental all that business and just knowing that your kids are going to go around it <laughs> yes Oh my gosh. Because Say that will. again for those, your parents. Yeah. So those of you who think, oh, my kid's not going to get on anything uh, naughty and they're not going to be on no. their phone past 11 because I have a timer set in screen time. Well, honey, yeah. A, they're going to change their time zone and then it's going to be, oh, you're, it's not that time anymore. So you can go. Do yeah. Whatever you want. But yeah. They're going to go right around that stuff. No, my son is so smart. He can spoof his location. He'll put himself in North Korea just for a good time. Like he can for sure go around whatever I put in place. And that's why, and honestly, I kind of celebrate that about him. He's smarter than me in a lot of ways. And I fully embrace that and I applaud him for it. And I think that that helps our relationship yeah. because then I can say, look, I know you can figure this out. You figured it out before when I was trying to be a phone Nazi. So let's talk about it. Right. Let's talk about all of those different things. Uh -huh. And yeah, you can totally lie to us. You totally can. We'd prefer you not to. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> please Pretty don't. Please. And if you if you do and we get caught, like there's consequences. Right. Right. And we've done that dance, too. Yeah. But but just knowing like they're for sure smarter than us in a lot of ways. And that is a beautiful thing. Yes, it is a beautiful thing. Um, and I've noticed those same things that you've said about the social media. And I do agree, like at the high school, it is a lot harder on girls than it is for guys, specifically Instagram, because of the way that it causes them to think about their bodies um, yeah. and the way they compare all that stuff. So, yeah, I'm yeah, not here to say that's, that's what studies show. But again, I think that your parental involvement in that um, 
studies didn't go into how their parents manage that or talk about that with them or the accounts that they follow and different things like that. Yes. I always say that social media is neither good nor bad. It is a magnifying glass that already yeah. amplifies what is already there. And for a lot of teenagers, it's a lot of insecurities because guess what? Normal teens are insecure. It is a crazy time to be, I mean, not always yeah. a crazy time to be a teenager, but being a teenager is a crazy time. You're learning, you're growing, your body's changing. It's crazy. So yes, it's going to amplify what's there. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, this has been so good. I know you've been like, I haven't said much. No, you have. And it's been <laughs> like, poof explosions in my mind. Um, so just in closing, what would your advice be to parents who may be listening and kind of freaking out like, oh my gosh, I have messed up so bad. Like, <laughs> what are your message? <laughs> what, what would you say to that parent? Yeah, again, they're making it about them. No, <laughs> um, what I what I would advise is just to recognize that you kind of have two veins of thought. And one is going to be counterproductive, and that is definitely egocentric um, and fear-based, right? And the other route that is always available is just a route of um, unconditional love. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to love myself as imperfect as I am, right? Because that's what unconditional means, without right. condition. So all the hot mess that I am, I'm just, I'm going to be patient and kind to myself. And when we can do that, because it's hardest to ourself. Yes. And a lot of times when we snap and are mean to our kids, it's because we're already emotionally depleted by just what's going on in our head mm. towards ourself. And so when we can kind of level up our own brain space to like, I'm making peace with all of me, not just the part that's that I think is successful, but like right. all of me, flaws and all, ugly, all of it, then that's going to come forward and be so much easier to unconditionally love our kids. I love that. Love yourself so that you can love your kids. Yeah. Because when you hate yourself, like you can kind of fake it sometimes. Yeah. Uh. But it never really translates quite the same. No, no. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. Thank you. So how can people find you and see what you're doing? Shameless plug time. Let's hear it. Yes. Well, I am on Instagram. Yes, you are. <laughs> Instagram and Facebook, Heather Frazier Coaching. And Frazier is with the Z-I in the middle, F-R-A-Z-I-E-R. Or my website where you can find my podcast and um, resources on how to work with me. I love, I coach one-on-one -on -one and I love my clients so much. I actually just finished up with one today and she just is killing it and I love her. So yeah, heatherfraser.com is my website. Awesome. And all of those are going to be in the podcast description. So go follow her, go check her out, <laughs> go book a one-on-one, -on -one, go talk with her. She's awesome. Um, thank you so much. So there you go. Go check her out. All that be in the show description. Um, if you want your daily dose of positivity, make sure to go follow me at bulliesbe.gun on Instagram. Um, and if you have any inquiries about speaking or anything, you can email me. It's all going to be in the course in the description as well. And always remember you are wonderful. You are worthy and you are worth it. Go home and give your kids an eight second hug and we'll see you on the next one.